Amen. Good morning. Blessed Easter to the bread. You may be seated. Oh, I'm so excited that you're here today. Thank you so much for sharing your Easter Sunday with the bridge. We're going to have an amazing service, a great celebration of the greatest event in the history of humanity, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We're so glad that you're here. We want to specially welcome our guests today. And I know we have numerous ones because I met a lot of you coming in today. And we're so honored that you're here. Now, normally here at the bridge on Sunday morning, we have at this time a traditional service where we sing traditional hymns and and it's a beautiful uh, uh, celebration of Christ in a more traditional setting. Being that it's Easter and knowing that at Easter, we're gonna have our A, B, C, and D crowd all come today. Uh, We've asked our bridge family members to spread out their attendance over our three services and so thank so many of you that are doing exactly that. Uh, If you're a guest today, in your bulletin is a connection card, and also for our regular attenders. If you would take that connection card out right now and begin to fill it out as a record of your attendance with us today. At the end of the service, you can put it in one of the offering kiosks that are all the exits, or you can drop it off at our guest services booth. But we are so, so grateful that you are here along with all of our Bridge family members. We've been doing a series here at the bridge coming into Easter. We decided, you know, we didn't want to just arrive at Easter and have a big celebration. We wanted to arrive at Easter having reflected on what Easter is about and and enter into it prayerfully. So several weeks ago, I started a series entitled Easter, an old story with a new twist. Now, we're not recreating the Easter story because why would we? It's the greatest story ever told. But we're looking at it with a new twist, and we've been looking at it through the eyes of Jesus. What did he see? What did he hear? What did he experience? What did he feel? And to date, it hasn't been very positive, has it? In the upper room, celebrating the Passover with his, with his closest, his inner core, his, his disciples, he had to look across the table into the eyes of Judas, a traitor, one who had been with him, seen all his miracles, heard all his teaching, was the treasurer for the, the disciple band. And he knew Judas was going to betray him that night. He went out into the garden, we saw. And he asked his disciples to stay up and pray with him and watch with him. And he went and he, in agony. He, he prayed to the Father, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Three times, and each, between each time, he went back and his disciples were asleep. Then the commotion with Caiaphas' guards coming to arrest Jesus in the garden and Judas coming up and kissing him on the cheek. Then being interrogated by the religious leaders of God's chosen people who led the religion that Jesus established for them. And they rejected him out of jealousy. Then Jesus looked out at the crowd of the people, his own people, as they scream, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. From the cross, he looked down at pagan Roman soldiers gambling for his clothes. All those who had followed him had fled. His disciples were in hiding, save for one, John. And Jesus died in agony, even crying out at one place, Lama Sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even God had to turn his back on him when Jesus became sin. 
But that was three days ago. In three days, everything changed. Luke 24, verse 1 says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered it, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. He says, remember how he told you? Remember, we talked about it over the last several weeks that Jesus did not keep this a secret. Early on in his ministry, he began to tell his disciples and, and those who follow him how he was going to be betrayed by the religious leaders and how he was going to be put to death. And so the angel says, remember he told you about this while he was still with you in Galilee. Then they remembered his words that Jesus always said, and the third day I will rise. The third day I'll come back to life. It was the third day. So the women hurried away from the tomb afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Now, I love this. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Oh, can you see that from the eyes of Jesus? These precious ladies were coming to, uh, to anoint his body. And what does he say to them? He says, greetings. He doesn't say, it is I, Jesus, who has risen from the dead. It is I. He said, que tal? Vigates, bonjour. I love Jesus. He's amazing. He says, hi, how you doing? What's going on? They fell down at his feet and clasped his feet and began to worship him. Then Jesus said, don't be afraid. He said, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Jesus must have been so happy, so overjoyed and, and, and to relish now, not in all the negativity that had happened three days ago, but now in his resurrected glory. He's reuniting with those he loved and those who loved him. It says, so she went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. That's all the disciples. When they had heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, Mary Magdalene, who's he's talking about, they did not believe it. And ladies, remember this, that the first people to see the resurrected Jesus weren't men, they were women. Four, possibly five. That's how special you are to Jesus Christ. He was the first one to greet you. Afterward, says Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. So two of his disciples, one is Cleopas, not any of the original 12, they're walking out of Jerusalem and they're, they're talking about all this stuff that has happened and what's going on and they're trying to figure it all out. And all of a sudden Jesus comes up, but not in a form that they recognize. And he starts walking with them and says, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? They say, are you the only person here? Has they heard about everything that's been happening the last few days here? So, you know, they started told how Jesus, had been, this prophet, had been crucified. And, and, and that morning, the women went to the tomb, and, and he wasn't there anymore. His body was gone. And then a couple of the disciples went to the tomb, and they didn't find the body either. And they're just kind of, they're just trying to make sense of it. And Jesus says, come on, guys. 
You know what the prophet said. You know the word. And so they're walking and talking, and all of a sudden, they get to where they're going, and Jesus is going to keep going. And they said, no, why don't you come on and, and, and have dinner with us? So he came in and sat down. And the scripture says, as he broke bread, the veil was lifted, and they recognized who he was. And then he just disappeared. He vanished. Could you imagine Jesus seeing these guys, how shocked they were? And they said, didn't our hearts burn when he was speaking and sharing the prophets with us? Didn't we realize what was going on? So they immediately got up and went back to Jerusalem. And I imagine it wasn't a slow walk. I bet they were sprinting as fast as they could to tell the disciples. Luke 24, verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Now the actual word is shalom. It was the common greeting, and it's still the common greeting in Israel today. Shalom, peace be with you. Again, he didn't make these grandiose speeches. He just said, hey, guys, shalom. How you doing? Like it was just another day. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. I'm sorry, but this had to be humorous to Jesus. I mean, these guys seeing him just quaking in their eyes this big and their mouths falling open when he had told them all along what was going to happen. And the satisfaction of standing before him saying, I told you. I'm here, here I am, shalom, peace be with you. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Every one of these encounters. And the Bible records 10 encounters of people seeing the resurrected Jesus. Interesting to me, not one of those accounts includes his mother. Did you know that? It's all others. I believe he did. Because the scripture says, in addition to that, he spent 40 days here. At one time, he, he showed himself to 500 people. What a satisfying experience every one of those encounters must have been to him. And the joy that must have filled his heart kind of like the joy that fills our hearts today as we look back and we remember. We remember Jesus. We've discussed and we've gone over his agony again, but today, no more pain. Never again. Because he's risen. He is king of kings. He's Lord of lords. And one day, he's coming back. And one day, we'll see him for all eternity. Within the first week after Jesus had risen from the grave, all the disciples had seen him. Many people had seen him. Many women had seen him. But there was still one dissenter, one disciple. And I think that this encounter may have been Jesus' most anticipated encounter. We read about it in John 20, beginning in verse 24. Now Thomas called Didymus. I think in the English that's doofus. <laughs> now Thomas called Didymus, one of the 12, he was one of the originals, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen Jesus, he's alive. 
But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. He said, I'm not buying it. You guys, I don't know what you're on, but you're talking crazy. I saw him on that. I saw, he's dead. He was in a tomb. I love this. A week later, his disciples were in a house again. Now, Scripture says the house is all locked up because the disciples are still afraid about retaliation, reprisals from the Jews and the Romans and all this. So they're hiding out. Everything's all locked up. And it says, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. What do you say again? It is I. It is risen. Now, he said, shalom. Then he said to Thomas, all right, Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Finally, Thomas got it. And what did he say? Read it with me. My Lord and my God. He got it. No indication he actually carried through with the physical touching. Just hearing Jesus' voice, just being in his presence, changed it. And again, I would have loved to have seen that through Jesus' eyes. Thomas's faith, his, his humility, finally registering that everything Jesus had taught him for three years had come to reality. Then Jesus says something very, very profound. In John 20, verse 27, then he said to Thomas, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Kind of a mild rebuke here. I think Jesus understood. Nothing like this had ever happened before. He said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe. And then Jesus continues with the statement That's not just for Thomas, but a statement that resounds through the millennials to come. And he said, blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. I often wondered why the resurrected Jesus only appeared Prospectively, a small number of people. 500 at once, that's a lot of people. But there were thousands and thousands. I've often wondered why he didn't go to the temple and say, I'm back. Because from here on out, seeing isn't believing. From here on out, salvation is by faith. It's by faith in what Jesus taught. It's in, by faith from what God has revealed. And, and, and so Jesus isn't going to do magic. He's not going to do tricks. He has done everything that the Father required for the forgiveness of eternal sin. And I said, there's nothing more I can do than what I've already done. I already died on the cross. I already conquered death and hell. There's no more to do Now, the eternal question is, 
will you believe? What will you do with Jesus? Luke writes in Acts 4.12, Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. I wonder, where have you been looking for your salvation? Where have you been looking for your forgiveness of sin? Most world religions today teach that somehow we got to live a good enough life to please whatever God is out there. And when we, we stand in judgment one day, well, our good works better outweigh our bad works. And if our good works outweigh our bad works, then God's going to let us into heaven. If that were true, why did Jesus ever come to this earth? We already had plenty of religion. We even had a religion ascribed by God himself. But salvation doesn't come through religion. Salvation doesn't come through works. Salvation doesn't come through service or money. Salvation comes through one name, the name of Jesus. Paul later writes in Romans 10.9, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That's it. What do you say to Thomas? Thomas, you believe because you saw the nail prints. You believe because you saw the scar in my side where the spear went in. You believe all that, Thomas, but blessed are those who believe yet have never seen me. Most of us here today are blessed because we have taken that step and we've trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. But perhaps you're here and you never have. Perhaps you're you're saying, what? I, I don't have to live a good enough life to please God. You can never live a good enough life to please God. I couldn't either. That's why God intervened for us with Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You can do that right now, right where you're sitting, in a prayer to God. Just say, God, I do. I confess with my mouth right now that Jesus is Lord. I get it, God. There's no other way. There's no plan B. There's no plan C. It's Jesus and only Jesus. Jesus was being honest when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I, I confess with my tongue that is true. And God, I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And I believe because he was willing to go to the cross as an atoning sacrifice for sin that you have given him the authority to forgive me. And so Jesus, be my savior today. Jesus, forgive my sin. Today, I believe on the name of the Son of God for eternal life. Scripture says in 1 John 5, 13, these things I write to you who believe on the name of the Son of God. Listen to this. That you may, what church? No. That you may what? Know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, I realize for someone here today, that's the first time you have ever heard that. And you're going, 
wait a minute. Before you leave our service today, you're still wondering about what's going to happen when this life ends for me. Stop by our guest services booth or one of our literature racks and pick up one of these little blue books that says you can be sure. They're free. Won't cost you a thing. You don't have to talk to anybody. Just go there, pick one out of the rack. Take it home and read it. And it will revisit everything God has revealed to us in the inspiration of Scripture about how we can know our sins are forgiven and how we can know we're going to heaven. We have it in English and in Spanish. And it's God's gift to you. I don't know what your condition is today, but I do know this. There's one answer. And that answer has a name, and that answer is Jesus. If you need eternal life, speak the name of Jesus, and he'll give you eternal life. If you need hope, speak the name of Jesus, and he will visit you in an intimate way. If you're discouraged, speak the name of Jesus. If you have trials, speak the name of Jesus, because Jesus is the answer for our world today. He's not dead. He's alive. He knows you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your name, and he loves you. And he says, I'm here. Shalom, peace be to you, cast your care on me, for Jesus says, I care for you, speak the name.